what Instagram or Twitter or whatever does to you is it literally numbs you. Whatever unpleasant feeling was about to arise, yeah. you will forget about that and every other feeling. To be fair, you forget about all feelings when you are in that zone where you are scrolling. Right? It's just this very comfortable, mind-numbing activity. What you have to start realizing, and you know, just observe for yourself in what particular way and what particular context it happens. But the common phenomena is that all of us, when we face this difficult emotion, whether it is procrastination, anxiety, boredom, we end up numbing ourselves. That's the loop we've created. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Hi guys, today we're talking about all things Bitful, which you can basically think about as being mindful with technology. You may agree that this is something we haven't quite cracked the code to yet and are still figuring our way around in terms of how to not get sucked in by our devices that seem to rule our lives and how to regain our sense of control in a way where we're not constantly seeking stimulation or overwhelming ourselves with overload of information. So this conversation is about how to keep calm in the digital world, which brings me to introducing my guest, Tanuj Bhujwani, who co-authored the book, The Art of Bitfulness with Nanda Nilakani, who is a co-founder of Infosys. But besides writing this brilliant book, Tanoj has played a role in building India's digital infrastructure, such as UPI and Fastag, but he just likes to call himself a curious storyteller, which will become self-evident in this episode. So enjoy listening to his story-styled insights on navigating through our virtual lives while focusing on things that actually matter and becoming future-ready. Well, thank you for being here. This conversation is very relevant to the digital construct that we're in today, where it's pretty clear that technology is driving us more than we are driving it, as a result of which we are burning ourselves out with information overload and overwhelm and a bit of context switching, which is something I myself struggle with as a creator. So thank you for being here at our rescue today. And more importantly, thank you to you and Mr. Nilakani for writing this beautiful book and putting this out in the world because it did offer a very practical angle to navigating our current realities and using our devices and shifting our equation with technology in a way that keeps us sane and calm. So on that note, how has our relationship with technology become toxic? Uh, thank you for that question. First of all, that framing itself, right? We, we struggled over it and, and we settled on this as the most, sort of the metaphor that resonated the most that there's a codependency. You know this is bad for you. Um, you know you shouldn't be scrolling at night, it's affecting your sleep, you know it's going to you know, mess with you tomorrow. Uh, you know you're not going to get anything out of it. One of the comments is this uh, friend of mine is a musician um, uh, and you know he said this thing that's in the first chapter of the book which is that uh, 
you know, it's it's 4:58 or something, and I will say, okay, I'm going to look at my phone for two minutes before I get to the next thing, and it's you know, bam, 15 minutes gone. You panic, right? Mm. And you're like, you know, I lose, I lost time, and then how do you deal with that panic or that uh, uh, you know sudden surge of emotion? Is to again take your phone and scroll and you know do something mind dumping. Yeah. Again, it's like this constant loop that doesn't end, right? Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, uh, nothing I saw in those 15-20 minutes means anything to me at all. Right? So there's a certain realization also that when you're doing this, it's meaningless, right? It's, it, mm. it's kind of a self-soothing activity, like maybe looking at reels or whatever, scrolling through your Twitter is going to give you some sense of engagement or uh, in the short run, but in the long run, it really is doing nothing for you, right? And at least not in right. a potential way. Those same 15, 20 minutes, if you had, uh, you know, invested in sort of writing something or doing something else, uh, would yeah. have left you with a little more meaning and fulfillment, right? Sure. So, uh, engaging different faculties. But we've become these passive sort of consumers um, who also hate what we are doing. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, this is why we call it toxic codependency. How it became toxic? Uh, well, there's a there's a whole thesis in our book about advertising about um, you know there was no money on the internet. So how these what these companies can take from you because they don't take money is your attention, right? That's the fundamental sure. exchange on the internet today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all very aware of this. We all understand it. But what we refuse to acknowledge is how it adds up. Right, like an hour every day on social media sort of adds up essentially exactly. another career or something else you could do with your life. Right now, again, I, there's no judgment in the book, at least we've tried to do it that way. We're not saying that, you know, for example, you, you're doing something that could not even be done 10 years ago, right? You call yourself sure. a creator, um, and you derive certain um, satisfaction and meaning from it. So that's why, you know, we wrote a practical guide. It's not about how to disconnect from the internet. It's about how to have a more meaningful relationship. Right. Um, I'm sure you have certain names from what the, when we spoke earlier, you said you get to talk to interesting people, right? You have these conversations. And yeah. of course, without the internet, without social media, you would also not get to do this. But at the same time, we all feel sucked in, right? So how do you walk that line? Um, yeah. That's that's really what we're trying to sort of help people understand and come to their own conclusion. And how to do it? There's no prescription. We don't we don't mm. say anything like don't browse this more than 15 minutes a day or you know like that would be meaningless, right? We're just simply trying to bring your awareness uh, to your relationship between yourself and your devices, and then figure out why the maladaptations are happening, why the bad habits are happening, and what you can do about it. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So for those who haven't read the book yet, The Art of Bitfulness, yeah. what is bitfulness really about? Um, it's a little bit of mindfulness about your relationship. That's that's where we got the name for us. Also, bit as in bits and bytes. Yeah. Um, but really, it's it's really about uh, you know having. Uh, I would say if I have to summarize everything that we give and sort of the tips and tricks and everything, there's specific ideas in the book which may or may not be of interest to you. But if we condense it down to one learning, it's that you try to you know not. Uh, depend on your willpower and your uh, mental fortuity to go out there and only spend so much time on your phone. 
you understand yeah, it's not sustainable to do that anyway it doesn't work doesn't work as it's... much as we want to think it is it just fails it fails us and we fail those um those aspects of ourselves yeah yeah i mean it's it's like trying to if you were a smoker you try to quit smoking cigarettes while keeping a packet in your pocket right or if you're trying to be on a diet just carrying a packet of chips around with you everywhere you go uh, and say i'm going to also now try to limit is is a terrible idea um so the book really instead of looking at ourselves as someone with iron will with you know uh great determination and ambition to do everything we instead look at ourselves as very flawed human beings who hmm. um you know will end up slipping down these traps um hmm. so therefore how do you best create a plan that takes this into account rather than trying to like pretend this doesn't happen um sure. and therefore all our tips uh, and tricks are essentially about bringing awareness back to you know when you falter how you falter and and what system can you put in place to make sure that in the long run this doesn't happen um and that's what we're going for rather than hacks rather than sort of you know uh tricks or advice or like you know doing this or doing that we're just simply trying to get you to be uh, a little bit more mindful of what you're really trying to do what what would really make you feel good and then configure your systems around that rather than the default being you open in social media app or you open something else and boom you wasted your time right Yeah exactly and that's what I love about the book like I said it gives us very practical angle to dealing with life as we know it it's not saying that you know dump your devices and leave technology because that's not feasible at all it's it's more about how to leverage and use it in a way that's going to serve you better and maintain your sanity which is super important in, in today's world um so yeah like what were your personal experiences that inspired you to co-author or write this book uh it's it's an interesting thing to ask right uh, my personal experience of course has been i struggle and i continue to struggle like i don't want to at any point of time let anybody think okay. i've become some sort of a monk who doesn't uh, have these problems anymore um what was so this book is a pandemic book first of all right like it it started yeah. very in- very new very recent from yeah. what i could tell you so the the book happened because in the pandemic i think when especially when devoid of any sort of offline choices uh, all of us and feeling very isolated and you know uh, literally locked down right all of us so you needed connection and and the screen seemed to offer it but very quickly we realized that it's it's not fulfilling or joyous in the way that actually meeting somebody or having a conversation with somebody offline really is it's it's usually draining it um mm. leaves you sort of uh, exhausted you like you said context switching happens a lot uh, even the conversations and meetings that you are having you're not really sure what happened right by the sort of mm. you, you move through life in a bit of a dazed state uh in the middle of this i work with nandan on other things like i said we we work on these issues of um uh and payments data etc uh digital public infrastructure so we started having those meetings in the park you know social distancing mask wearing uh set mm-hmm. this is august 2020 or something um we're having these conversations in the park now for having a conversation with a walk you scheduled around the walk right you scheduled around 45 minutes of the walk um um and even if you finish talking about whatever you came to talk about which typically is a lot faster in person than in a zoom meeting yeah so we found ourselves one day you know in this walk me and nandan you know in this nice park in kormangla where 
uh, we had run out of things to say in 15 minutes about what we were originally met for. Um, so the remaining time we just ended up talking about how wonderful it is to actually be out here, meet people, mm. you know, how by then yeah. this would have been locked in for about five months. So to, mm. you know, to actually have those conversations um, in person and how quickly things moved when you did that, how much better it felt. And I think in that conversation, both of us were surprised because, um, you know, one is, is Nandan Nilekini, this tech mogul. You would expect he'd have it figured out. Um, and, you know, he can manage this Zoom and whatever. And uh, and he looked at me similarly saying, you're, you're, you're young, right? Like you must be on this, on top of all your yeah. and your data and your multiple social media profiles, etc. Um, and, and I think both of us were surprised, number one, that uh, the other was also facing this. and, and you know, now I think it's fairly commonly established as a problem. Um, yeah. But back then it was still a little bit surprising to hear from each other that, okay, this is happening, you know, even to each other whom we both regard as being digitally literate and digitally efficient. Um, and the second is that when we actually spoke about how do we deal with it, we realized both of us had similar ideas, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it just became a, um, a sort of a book that, and just sort of start writing itself. Oh. Started exchanging emails. You know, Nandan sent me an email later saying, "Okay, I'll tell you what I do." And he wrote me a long email saying, "This is oh, how cool." I That's how this whole thing started. How interesting. Yeah, a walk in the park, then an email, uh, then respond to that email, then sort of we, you know, ended up writing this book over time. And um, but the root cause at at the heart of this, right, is uh, is something that we actually work on in our day jobs, and and that I think is is a is a is another refrain of this book which I'd like to introduce is that um, this book is roughly run into part one, part two, part three, right? Part one mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, the, the problem uh, with us sort of, you know, that, like we're talking about the problem, right? What yeah. what is happening in this relationship, et cetera. Part two is what the individual can do. Um, and, and this is where all the tricks around, you know, how do you manage, what do you do, et cetera, and how do you build these systems is written in. But part three, and, and this is what, sort of our day job is and what we do, which is um, this change that is happening in our immediate lives, like what us scrolling through Instagram, sort of always into social media, etc. There's a larger sort of change happening, which is that uh, tech or tech companies are now starting to control everything, right? So the taxi industry is suddenly like these aggregators, mm -hmm. right? Uh, flights are whatever. And in every uh, commerce or e-commerce, right, which brands you and I consume, is now determined by some ungodly mix of what is on top of the Amazon things and promotions sector and mm -hmm. uh, social media algorithms, what ads are running, right? So somewhere between these two, everything we buy is, is, is happening there. Um, and this kind of power concentrated in, in a few hands, uh, yes, it's brought a lot of efficiency, right? I mean, I was looking up something, I was looking up headphones, like I told you, I lost them. I can deliver it to you today, right? Yeah, that's the access that we have now, exactly. So, so there, it's not like there's certain kind of like ideas, conveniences, I guess. I mean, if I really desperately wanted a headphone before this interview, I could have gotten it and I guess I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, I know that's happening at the cost of uh, millions and millions of small retailers suffering from, um, you know, a, a competition from really an outsized sort of competitor that they're not equipped to deal with and 
and it's fine now while the world is you know uh, spinning round on this and getting high on tech money and honestly till about 6 months 8 months ago i guess the picture was very rosy right like it these giants kept doing better and better um and tech was seen as the future and then suddenly we see that okay it's not necessarily so right because all this while there was money being poured into these companies where essentially for something worth a dollar you and i are only paying say 75 cents right and and that's great business any business yeah. that will grow right if, yeah. if i just give you something for less than it costs uh, why would you not take it um um so as long as you can do that uh, as long as capital was cheap low interest rate uh, world we could have done that mm. world stand to look different now people are asking tough questions right around can uber even be profitable right or as uber is trying to get profitable now people are realizing can we afford ubers right do we yeah. prefer to like travel um, uh, in other ways or which were cheaper and fairer and reliable um so these these broader shifts in society as we move to these networks and apps and you know um, all of it online the questions become who controls all this who decides what happens right so as as our relationship with technology on an individual level you as an individual and your smartphone yeah. is one thing but as a society we have to start asking the question what are we as a collective you know who is the person or who who is the one who decides what taxi rates are for example right like in india they are metered and they regulated but like at the end of the day what actually end up happening is that uber had the last say right for a for a large majority yeah. of urban transport now uh, uber is actually setting the rates is that fair is that what we want is that the society we want to live in these are also questions that we need to bring our awareness to start asking and then start answering how do we actually change this power equation and on that we have a few ideas uh, that that's that's the day job i won't get into it there yeah companies are definitely playing monopoly over our attention which is why we are scattered everywhere else and where we meant to be focusing on but i love how in the beginning of the book you guys outline the fact that our sense of boundaries have become completely dissolved because of just the access that we have um to this virtual context like different virtual context our sense of identities have become very blurry as a result so do you want to just talk about how we can reestablish those boundaries and redefine our identities yeah well, i think uh uh i like the, the concept and and the idea was also sort of uh we did a lot of reader research so this also you know talking to different people we realized what's happening and uh, and how this there's a very big difference between the offline world and the online world in one very specific way uh when you were at home say you're interacting with your parents and you're uh, you know in that family context you probably take on a very specific role right you're a, you're a daughter you're uh, doing certain things you behave a certain way um and then you switch to you know you go out with your friends or if you're at work you know, you're a different person altogether and what used to happen is that this is delineated by physical spaces so in right. some ways we know how to act based on how where we are right we'd say certain things decorum is maintained stuff like that happens and we do it so naturally right like when you get out of yeah. office you're going to go meet a friend across the office in a bar you're going to roll up your sleeves you're going to let your hair down you're going to like see them in a different state right so there were these subtle shifts in in appearance in his physicality in spaces um that also led to shift in our identities right and who we are and what we do um in the digital world because we mess up so badly 
you know, we mess up in many ways, and we don't even realize what we're doing. We just go for convenience. We go for the first available thing. But I, I'll give you a very common complaint that people have, right? Like their WhatsApp suddenly has people have one phone, one WhatsApp. Yeah, a stream of messages and groups and whatnot. Yeah, it's groups, and each group is a different thing altogether. Yeah. Right? So um, um, every single day, I get. I don't think there's a like few groups on which there's. I know there's going to be great messages, like like a lots great number yeah. of messages, not necessarily great quality messages. Um, I'm on a film discussion club. Um, there's just like so some people who love talking on that. There's uh, my society RWA, and like there's always people complaining about parking and doing you know uh, wild things yeah. to park in their spots. Uh, and every day that's a discussion. Um, and uh, obviously work context etc. I have you know groups where we share memes and and if I open WhatsApp, I suddenly have no idea which Tanuj I am right now. I am that mm. an impractical joker with this with some friends of mine also finding memes and sending it to them, or am I replying to the message right below, which is talking about some important you know? There you go, dissolved boundaries. Yeah. This, yeah, and and it keeps happening uh, to all of us, and and you don't realize how it's so tempting, right? Like especially when you're stressed, you want to do something about work. I'm like, oh, somebody sent me this cool. Let me just read this. So let me just read this one article. Or let me just like you know, in 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 say 30, 40 years ago, the equivalent of this would be you're sitting at your desk, you're trying to do work, and somebody came to you, like some friend of yours, came to your office and said, hey, have you seen this magazine? And shoves it in your face, and then you decide to first read the magazine, then shut it, then get back. That just wouldn't happen, right? So. Uh, the challenges of our time is that unless we consciously choose to set these boundaries and decide yeah. how to stay within a particular context um, and take active measures to do that, what's probably happening to you is identity switching. Like you said, context switching yeah. is also who you are in these spaces. Um, and you know, it, it's the classic, right? It's you go back home and you're on your phone checking work email. You're at work yeah. and you're trying to think about you know what's happening at home, and and you're not. Doing justice to either, frankly, right? You're not uh, probably not being great at work, and you're probably not being a good sort of uh, you know, family. Neither here nor there, and and uh, it's so easy, right? Like you pick up your phone, you open it, and like this entire universe of who you can be is in front of you. You could be yeah. at home, you could be lost in work, you could also be like uh, lost in a community discussion about football, right? Like and get into that, mm-hmm. um, and there's just no boundaries. So. Uh, and these apps, like what what we want to be specific about, is that some of this is very deliberate, right? Because these apps, again, given that they can't make money from you in the traditional way, um, their basic sort of for them, this design is beautiful, because it you know if you were only if I was a work only app, I would be used only between nine and five or whatever. If I was a you know app for socializing on the weekends, I'd only be used on the weekends. But by becoming the everything app, these companies, you know, and shoving everything in your face in one place, yeah. please know that they can get a certain kind of engagement from you, a certain anxiety within you to keep checking their messages, to keep checking their website. Right? Oh, has- so how do you think we can get over this addiction of constantly seeking what's new and what's next and what's going to excite us? Because there is this whole aspect of dopamine at play as well, right? You're you're hundred percent correct. I don't think we can get over like I mean let's suppose if you're applying for a new job or if you're applying for say, like you know you're waiting on some big news, can you really get rid of the anxiety? Can you really be that calm and that collected? I mean if you can, great. So don't please tell me your secrets. But if you can't, I I really wouldn't. Um, 
put the blame on ourselves entirely right like this is when we talk about it in this way we sort of make it again a self blaming self hating yeah. thing right um the idea is um can you put certain constraints on yourself to like you know so that you don't even have the option of checking something or doing something mm. etc so uh one simple way is to simply um you know take out certain things from your phone or from your laptop and and one of the things we talk about is creating boundaries on your computer one simple yeah. thing is just for want to give away to your uh your listeners even if they um, just sort of for them to try and implement is that you can always create multiple identities um for online use for everywhere like right? multiple identities uh starting with you can create a new user on your laptop right so let's say when you supposed to trying to work on your stuff uh, you can have a completely different account on your mac right which has absolutely none of the things that are personally sort of your kryptonite mm-hmm. right so if you go on instagram a lot during work but you don't really need to you can just sort of have a work account where that doesn't exist and therefore every time you start your computer you're you're making a conscious choice okay i am going to be uh, the sukun who sort of works today right so and therefore i open this app and do that so i use this a lot to write because writing you know it's very easy to procrastinate you would love to writer's block yeah you just love to do anything else anything else except write research right in the name of writing you research it never ends it never ends Obviously. so so i would give myself um simple rules simple things right i've set up an account on which i can't do anything else this blind sort of this is my writing yeah. apps are there um uh, most websites are blocked except like very specific email and whatever they're like auto blocked with these mm-hmm. track mm-hmm. apps freedom app whatever everything is blocked uh, my writing app um uh, and just like specific one specific email account um that i can use uh and yeah i just basically i do waste time even then check a few emails write a few replies do something but then i switch to the app and all i have to do now the only will power i need is hey don't log out and log in to the other account and go check instagram or go check twitter yeah. or whatever right like that's and that's quite a big leap compared to you know and it just happens so unconsciously and automatically that it feels like it's completely out of your control but i think it very much is in your span of control i would say the the easier way to do it is instead of thinking about whether it's in your control or not is to like just set up a hurdle large enough that as you do it you have to be very conscious of what you're doing yeah. right um there's even like silly things that we mentioned which i used to use right like um your password for the account in which my instagram or whatever else is um i would actually make it you know much longer including some stuff like have i written enough today right so as i'm typing the password i have to think about this phrase have i written very that cool i love that okay. so um and in the writing phase and you know i was i was very harsh on myself back then but um but the idea is that you know you you just sort of try to raise the bar on uh, in the uh, sort of the friction we call it in the book the friction between um doing what you're doing now and going to yeah. attracting activity and sure. the good part about this is you have to set it up once like you create this new account set it up once one day maybe half a day you spend on like thinking through and doing this um you're set for life right you have a way to focus now every single time you want to focus um so yeah that's that's really how we suggest you do it which is don't try to think it's a problem with you that you need to be better or you need mm. to have more control over this and you can't be so easily distracted uh no i mean think about your opponent right like these apps pay 
huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. It's very incredibly smart people to get you to do exactly this, right? So instead of trying to like make it a willpower thing, see if there's a system that works for you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that very useful strategy. I think besides this, our devices have just become this very unhealthy coping mechanism for confronting of difficult tasks and emotions. And you talk about this in the book, in fact, with the with the analogy of what's it called in the second element of beautifulness, which is mirrors, not windows, which I think it's so cool. Do you want to just talk about that? Yeah. Um... Oof. Okay. So this is, uh, you know, this is personal, this is deeply personal. I think what would happen that I realized, and I think a lot of people now realize is that, um, when do you really pick up your phone and start that mindless scrolling, right? Like one is okay. Boredom. Yeah. Boredom is one great case. Um, uh, one is obviously that you pick it up. Avoiding difficult emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It's feeling difficult emotions essentially, right? Boredom is also like, what do I do? It's just, just before you have to start a hard task. Right, like maybe you know that you have to sit down now and and write this or present this or do something, or you have to look at your finances and you have to take some hard decision, or even like sometimes decisions that I know are going to cost me if I don't take them right now. Like yeah. actually fixing a date, picking a flight, you know, picking where I'll stay, like doing all the travel arrangements. Um, it's kind of admin work that I do not particularly enjoy, so mm-hmm. I will put it off till last minute, which just hurts me in terms of everything, right? Flight prices, like in every single way, it's not good for me. Uh, but these are the kind of things just before which I will typically take my phone and I will, I will start. Yeah. And w- what it does is that, uh, and you have this little chart in the book also, is that as soon as this emotion arises, even slightly difficult, boredom, anxiety, whatever, um, what Instagram or Twitter or whatever does to you is it literally numbs you. Whatever unpleasant feeling was about to arise, yeah. You will forget about that and every other feeling, to be fair. You forget about all feelings when you are in that zone where you are scrolling, right? It's just this very comfortable, mind-numbing activity um, uh, completely zones you out. And what what you have to start realizing and, you know, just observe for yourself in what particular way and what particular context it happens. But the common phenomena is that all of us, when we face this difficult emotion, whether it is procrastination, anxiety, boredom, we end up numbing ourselves. That's the loop we've created. And, sure. uh, and that's because, you know, we want these windows, we want this sort of way to escape this emotion. Whereas if you can, at the same time, when you pick up your phone, when you notice yourself, observe yourself picking up your phone, instead of avoiding what you're avoiding, what if you just opened nothing fancy also, just a simple notes app, and say, I picked up my phone right now, this is what is happening in my life, this is what I was thinking about, and I ended up here. It's very natural that you start realizing what you are avoiding, what is really happening, and it'll the answer for what you really need to do should also become self-evident to you, right? Typically, it'll be like, if I just make some progress on this, I will feel better, or if I can somehow get some help to solve this, it will make me feel less anxious. The answer comes to you, but the, the, the only flip, the only switch you have to flip here is that if you can, instead of opening that distraction app, if you can mm. open something that helps you reflect, right? Which is why we say mirrors, not windows. So not escape, not... Love escape. that. I love how that's phrased. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, how you do it again, we have some, again, we have some very specific things and we list out which get the book guys basically get the book <laughs> lots of information in there I, I want to be very clear right like what when when 
because it's two authors and and in this yeah. genesis of the book as well um i think what we try to do is not be too prescriptive although our editors and everybody gave mm-hmm. feedback and you know so actually show how it happens give examples you know demonstrate so that people grasp the idea uh both nandan and i are very clear that he the principles important this is the mindset shift is important um how specifically you do it is really your um yeah. you know it's, it's you. add salt to taste right it's it's up to you right in one of your answers you mentioned um to focus on the skills that actually matter in the long run what are these skills you're talking about oof okay um background i studied uh, you know a very classic typical sort of um, engineering at premier school and like you know um, because sort of one when when you're young and when you're told and you know at least the way i look at it is at 16 or earlier i was very scared about the world i i always you know i world is this big bad place out there and uh, some people make it and uh, some don't and bad things can happen etc and like you know you need to work hard and uh, achieve things and and uh, you know learn things to be able to be one of those people who makes it and uh, and somehow i always equated that with hard knowledge right like with say like science or knowing a particular thing to do or like being able to build machines or code something and um, and there's no doubt in my mind that these are important that but what happens is that um, as you move along in life um being good at something is something that you realize that you know college in in terms of its abstractions and problems are actually harder in some ways in terms of depth of knowledge yeah. than the real world in the real world you have a lot of help a uh, lot of breadth you deal with a lot yeah. you have to um, you know you can call up somebody who expert who knows better and you know so oh. google things which you can't in the college exam so there is a lot of ways in which the real world set of problems are very different from what we are taught as kids as students as growing up and even the impressions you have in your early career right like early 20s um at the end of the day what really matters if you ask me is your ability to sort of coordinate and work with other people to find a tribe that with whom you can do that best and then do it because um it's clear that whoever you are whatever you do solo um will only ever be um you know less than half less than maybe 20% as good as what you can achieve in a reasonably sized organization even if it's two to five people the team as a whole um will always achieve out achieve whatever any one yeah. individual can do right so um, and then larger and larger organizations can obviously do lot more uh so i had done all this sort of technical education engineering etc and then i ended up because i always thought uh, so i wrote an article also about this it's called what they don't teach you at the iits um, and i write about the two differing educations i had one is this very technical education yeah. at the iit and the other is i went to ashoka university for something called the young india fellowship which is nice. actually a crash course in the liberal arts it's one year they throw like some 20 subjects at you uh mm-hmm. then you go into detail but you learn a little bit about everything and and that course was explicitly designed to be um introduction to thinking so like for example a very first course was introduction to sociological uh, reasoning right so how do you think sociologist it's not i can't teach you sociology in a one year course and this is six week semester um but i can teach you how to think like sociologist or what sociologists yeah. think about um and what you learn 
very quickly in that kind of education is that the world is not black and white. It's not engineering problems with mm -hmm. the right answer and the wrong answer. Um, there is, you know, even truth, single capital T truth is is not something that is can be ascertained. Uh, and there are varieties and degrees of truth. Um, and that is uh, honestly very disturbing for uh, someone who's uh, classically trained in engineering or sciences, right? Because you're, you're taught to like right answer, wrong answer, right way of doing things, wrong way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, but it's incredibly valuable no matter what you're doing because at the end of the day, the hardest problems we're going to have are still going to be human, right? No matter what you're trying to do. Um, and especially if you want to try and have, say, from your career ambitions to have impact, etc., you're going to need to work with larger and larger groups of people to sort of reach those ambitions. Um, and therefore, what matters really is is being able to really sort of understand each other and communicate with each other and, and be able to sort of move people along. Mm -hmm. um, that's and, and the, you know, at the higher level of work you go, the lesser you actually do the thing you were good at. Right, and yeah. end up doing more and more of getting teams to output things. Right, um, go far up high enough, and your job entirely feels like you have zero power, and you're just at the mercy of all these people who are actually in charge of their various things, and you're trying sure. to like, reason with them. So even a CEO can sure they have power; they can dictate what can happen. But you know, to actually get that done, to to make sure that what they dictated is accepted, and that their team leads um, actually follow through they have to sit and negotiate with each of these leaders, right? So it's not like you reach the top and you become this autocratic person and everybody just... Yeah, I think it does come down to people skills, right? How you relate to people, how you actually understand them, and that's one of my core areas of focus. So if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so in the long run, the skills that matter to me, therefore, become uh, entirely human-centric. So empathy would yeah, be number one. Like exactly. You need to understand somebody to like be able to like really yeah. communicate with them. Second, exactly. communication itself, right? People take this for granted, but um, I think being able to write uh, legibly, lucidly, sort of be coherent, persuasive, being able to get your point across, mm. right? Mm. Um, this is this is cr absolutely critical. If you think writing is not a skill for you, or you're an engineer, or you're doing maths, or you're doing something else, and it doesn't matter, or you know, whom will I ever write to anyway? Um, uh, in the book also there's a whole section on this actually, I, I, it's called Writing is Thinking, right? Yeah, it, I remember that. Um, you know, I might dive into this for a moment because I think what, what happens is that in your own head you have these clear pictures and ideas and you think you're brilliant, right, for imagining this yeah. world. But if that, if that imagination does not transfer um, mm. with high fidelity, that means that my imagination is not transferred so to you and your mind and you can't imagine it as clearly. It doesn't matter how good your imagination is. Mm. I think a lot of people can't comprehend this or are not willing to accept that this is true. That somebody who speaks better than you but might not be as smart as you will still do better than you. Right? Like it's, mm. it's, it's reality because... So it's that process and act of articulation, isn't it? It does come down to that. Yeah, because, you know, the, the larger theory of mind that I mean, if I were to do this in a logical thing, this is my science brain telling you how to think about it. Um, let's face it, whatever your ambition, if, instead of doing it alone, if you could do it with a team, you'd do it better, you'd do it faster, you'd do it with less stress, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's, it is a no-brainer that to do anything, except maybe let's say if you want to be an Olympic athlete, etc., even mm -hmm. then you still need to build sort of an ecosystem around yourself. Mm. Uh, uh, but then let's assume for a moment it's not that anything else you're trying to do um, you're really at the mercy of 
you know the people around you um and therefore to really sort of you know um you need to a empathize with them because b you need to communicate with them and that is something that you have to learn to get better at and get right. back you know uh, and and do all this and third really is uh, a sense of perspective or slash time i think that this is where um i don't know i was in some sort of a race in my 20s right like i just needed to get somewhere by 30 yeah. um, and that i don't know it was an invisible deadline with an unclear goal invisible deadline is the linear way of thinking all of us are conditioned to yeah. live our lives with yeah yeah it's an invisible deadline and an unclear goal so i mean you're you're anxious no matter what you do right Um, but a sense of perspective and a sense of time, right? Like, I mean, look, most of us in our age group uh, are going to live to be, I don't know, eighty, ninety. I mean, health is just medical sort of health technology and medical sciences are just going to get so much better that we live longer, right? We've seen right. similar um, increase in lifespan in between our parents, you know, our grandparents' generation and our parents' generation. So uh, there's no reason that it won't happen for us, uh, as far as we can see. um so you have even if you're in your 20s you still have another 60 years to think about if you're really mm-hmm. trying to cram it all now and get it all done now and like be everything now yeah. what are you going to do with the rest of your life so uh, true and the second so part so that reminds me to ask you how can we live our best lives outside of our screens how can you live your best lives since i think uh oof, this is like you know what's the meaning of life it is honestly i i do think that um there is some wisdom here um okay so i i genuinely and humbly believe this we may be living in very different times to um you know all of history before us right um i don't think uh, any of our ancestors uh you know could see each other and remotely and talk to each other like mm-hmm. this right like that this is like uh, we are the first generation to do this before this okay sure. we might have the telephone but like you know it's there are so many wonders that that will fool you into believing that life is somehow different now than it was say 2000 years ago and and my what i posit to you right to you and your viewers is that uh, life hasn't really changed all that much yes there's new bells and whistles but um, at the heart of it uh, what we are doing why we are here what what is happening all of it is sort of very uh, you know like the ancients and the greeks and the philosophies and everything that happened in the enlightenment comes into play where uh, people were grappling with the same question right yeah sure. obviously thought that the printing press was the bee's knees right like there it yeah. was the like printing press was the internet for them right? and it was life changing it has been life changing for all of us they were right that it's that big Yes, you and I are right to like get excited about say ChatGPT because it will probably change things, etc. But when you zoom out far enough and like look at our lifespans and what we're going to ninety years, uh, these things don't change. So one very good way to like really think about what matters is to look at people who live. Um, do not ignore them just because they live in a time before you. Uh, mm. Give them their respect and see what matters. And uh, uh, there are a few sources that I like, but one of them is this. Um, um, forgot the name of the book but i think it's called regrets of the dying i don't know if you heard of it but five regrets of the dying there's this nurse who wrote it she was this um, palliative care lady i think who basically uh, you know would take oh, care so of she captured of... people's experiences and put that in a book that's yeah, they, she basically you know as people are dying a lot of them are in palliative care right because you're yeah. sort of this thing and as they are dying in these older homes and 
old age homes or like in palliative care um she went around asking people what do you regret right um and one thing like you know which um i can tell you no secret here no no spoiler alert is that number one nobody ever said um i wish i had worked harder right begin with right yeah. nobody ever says i wish i irony of our lives yeah exactly number two nobody says uh, i wish uh, i had spent less time with my family right like no these are things that nobody says right and if yeah. you if you go back and listen to what they're saying right and what matters uh, at that point of time it's a useful instruction to how to live your life going forward because um ambition personally I, i find this and this is this is the struggle of the 20s at least i can tell you that my defining thing was um i am ambitious i'm i'm a curious person i would say number one thing i'm curious right like i'm interested in many 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 things uh and i enjoy uh sort of satisfying those curiosities and you know, i don't look at it as what's the point does this earn me money does it no yeah. like it i will do it right i will learn about it i will spend my time on it um the other thing is of course ambition right which is that you want to be um uh, sort of have certain markers of achievement or success or like in whatever way you know it could just be sure. that you wanted a book out there and gotten it etc or it could be like you some people for some people it's like i want to earn this much money by this much time um whatever those your ambitions is um my submission to you is that it is it is a cost right ambition it's a motivator and if you can use it in small doses sure but if you are if you succumb to your ambitions it is a cost that has no reward because i can tell you that you know so when if you had any ambition if you remember ever pining for something and then you got it you must have felt great that day next day whatever what happens after right yeah, dies down you like what next what next right and what next because you're hooked to the striving you're hooked to that ambition process yeah yeah and uh, not necessarily you know you're not reward motivated in that sense and uh, so ambition is essentially is a, is a cost with no reward is, is how i think about it and therefore instead of having ambitions which you know are achievement linked and etc um can try and have ambitions which are more about a life well lived right what are the things that you would not want to be dying and regretting about right mm-hmm. and how do you structure your life to do that today um third of course is that uh, time and money right like i think it's sort of in in my head nobody really sat me down and explained to me <coughs> why time matters why money matters or in what way and where and how in what context yeah. right because the two are really the bigger trade off that you'll make in your life there are ways in which you can you know hustle a lot and make a lot of money uh, but it is going to take away time from everything else that you love right yeah i think although the time element applies now more than ever because of our addiction to our screens and how off track we've gone in our way of living just because we are so glued to our screens that we literally have no sense of presence left and that really has made us lose our sense of time in every way so. um yeah so if you ask me what you know what's the sort of purpose of life how do you live a life well lived at least my own answer in this is the following right like you only live once like yolo uh, typically yeah. but like what that means is not reckless abandon to me what yolo means and what to me personally where i take away from this is that uh, and therefore living in this unique time we should experience as many lifetimes as we can in our lives right i so love that one life many lifetimes and and the way i look at it is that um 
you know i do something i put in the requisite amount of time that it takes to really sort of yeah. really get into the process and understand it and enjoy it right like to become the kind of person who writes books you know to go through a certain process mm-hmm. and like you know become that author i've done this now the next thing i want to do is something else right right my work at the phase of career that i'm in i've been doing this for about 6 7 years and now i'm really thinking about changing it entirely mm-hmm. i'm not trying to like do this or be worried or be scared about whatever because um this is another thing that i is another study that i really i came across um um again um i'm not sure about how how well it will reproduce but they did this really cool thing um they basically asked a bunch of people what's the tough decision in your life right now like what is it that you're struggling with etc and they said oh you know i want to change my job or i want to like do this or i want to get a divorce or something like that and then they basically took those people and tossed a coin and said look if heads you make that change tails you don't make that change right um and it doesn't matter what their particular quandary or problem was of the two groups one which this had to change their lives or did something to change their lives based on the decision of the coin and the other group is the ones who did nothing right because mm-hmm. the, these two and it's a beautiful random control trial because it's properly random coin toss right um the group that changed again remember doesn't matter what the change right yeah. the the group that changed 6 months later or some number of months later uh, reported higher levels of happiness of life satisfaction wow perspective of you know what that changes so it doesn't matter because if you're struggling with something or you're, you're contextualizing something it's clearly something happening in your mind right and the people who do take an action to do something about it usually end up um in a better place mentally that may not necessarily mean you know everything else like whatever you may change your job you went for lower yeah. job you might have less of money but you're happier right <clears throat> again i don't want to give bad advice and generalize this you know you, your particular no it's subjective but very key principles of life and that have helped you to be where you are in yeah. your life in some way or the other yeah so thank you for that and um In terms of bitfulness and the art of living bitfully, what are some of your personal practices that have helped you to stay sane and calm in the digital construct? I think I think the number one way in which your devices are probably messing you up is your sleep. If you are not getting enough sleep, um, especially for teenagers and Gen Zs, it's a complete disaster in that sense. Uh, it's a complete disaster for teenagers, especially because what happens is if you notice know is that your <clears throat> anyway you tend to your sleep cycle tends to be later in the day like this is just a natural right. thing the teenagers have they are they sleep in and uh, but college or whatever is designed around the 7 am 8 am 9 am yeah. right so um, you're really being asked to be productive and focused and you know at something that really matters in the long run for your career for whatever um, at a time that is not good for you so yeah. uh, so they really have it tough right because you, you either get into that habit and into that uh, circadian rhythm uh, mm. as much as you can uh, but it doesn't work because they're all sort of everybody's on their screen late at night like, yeah um so, so what do you do then the simplest thing that i do is that my charger is not in my bedside so basically if i want a charged phone tomorrow uh, i need to then you know put my charger uh, here right here on this desk where i am uh, yeah. here and then go to bed downstairs so uh, the idea is that um, yeah get you, it's initially when you're like the first few times i doing this obviously i still missed my phone and i you know sometimes i even got up and came and checked but very soon um, it's your body your mind everybody everything adapts to this idea of you 
preparing for bed. So when I have now come mm-hmm. in and I'm in bed and I have no phone, I have nothing to do. I can maybe read something by the bedside if I kept something there. Else, I'm falling asleep, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think this has been the single biggest hack, uh, if at all. I mean, like I said, system more than hack because my mm-hmm. charger is always here. I don't move my charger, right? So um, this really helps because you don't, you know, you're not worried. Uh, yeah, it's- Increasing the friction between you and your phone, right? So this is yeah. not like completely accessible to you at the time when you want it. Correct. Um, do you also have? Do you also use the system of having um, what do you call time limits of the apps that you so spend I, more time on? I used to do that when I was uh, writing because at that time uh, I think I was like procrastinating a lot. Um, yeah. Out of curiosity, how long did this book take to finish? It took me about a year to finish. Which That's is, not the, both of you. That's not bad. It's not bad, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, uh, it was in the pandemic and I had uh, not much else going on. So, <laughs> so <laughs> distractions in, yeah. yeah. So, um, but the, yeah, so how do I put this? Um, I think, you know, fra- the time limit app thingy works in two ways. One is that you, you only use it to distract yourself from, uh, or to stop yourself from getting distracted by whatever apps, etc., you know putting some mm. um, the other way I used to use it which was you know is those um, how do you say it like I, I wish I had coined some clever term for this but it's basically those socially acceptable or guilt free distractions so like being on email I'll give you a simple one being on email always feels like okay I'm working right but like and my email you know and until I actually maintained separate so now I have separate accounts for newsletters etc in fact my my stack my system has evolved a lot I now use this app called Readwise Reader, uh, which is really nice. cool um, uh, for all my reading. So like everything that I have to read now goes there. So what happens is now when I want to read, it's, you know, it's an iPad, like it's specifically I'm reading. Otherwise reading was my distraction. It was that, like you said, research, right? So um, um, yeah, I mean, where, where I'm getting at this is that the time limit apps, one is you stop yourself from using Instagram too much for mm-hmm. papers or whatever. That feels a little bit like you're infantilizing yourself, right? Like, oh, I can only do 15 minutes, I'll score. Restricting but, yourself, yeah. Yeah, but it, you know, it doesn't work, I think, in the long run for this reason, because it's not, it's not, it's structured as something you can't have. It's, it doesn't work for me. But a very cool trick to do is, you know, I give myself 15 minutes to, or 30 minutes to do emails, right? Sometimes. Um, <coughs> it used to be 30, is actually now I don't even need that much, and nobody writes to me. So, <laughs> okay. No, no, I, I basically quit my jobs. So like it's, it's, it's right. good, you know, in, in many ways, good. So, um, uh, but yeah, back, back in the work email is a lot. So I gave myself a longer time, but what that did was stop me from spending too long on some distracting email, right? Like sometimes there's people just send you a blast saying this is what yeah. or like, you know, somebody that you know, has your email address and they signed you up for a newsletter without your consent. So you still click on it, read it. So that, um, that timer really helped me in making sure that I am brutal with prioritizing emails. So either I reply to it and I say, okay, let's fix a meeting for this date, moving on next email. Like, you know, all my email replies are also shorter and like more meaningful. And I wasn't overthinking what I'm writing. Right. Uh, Sometimes we do that. We waste time by wanting to craft this perfect. It's not necessary. Right. Like I, I. If you've seen my emails now, they're probably like one or two sentences at best. Short and crisp, which yeah. is also what makes sense. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah, and 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 so therefore I use the timers in reverse. And uh, but mm-hmm. frankly, after a little practice, and I hope these people take this in the right way, 
uh, is that after a little practice, you won't even need that. So, you know, start, use it as a crutch to get to a better habit. Um, and then, you know, you shouldn't need it afterwards because I find like it's, if you depend on that too much, you're, you're going to falter, right? It's like walking around with, uh, on a diet with chips in your pocket, honestly. <laughs> I love that good. analogy. It's Great. Not yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today and sharing all your insights on, you know, keeping a calm and everything else you talked about life and and happiness and how you live, which is amazing to hear as well. It, um, and, um, and I was just saying it's not like, I just want to like, you know, one thing that you're very careful not to do in the book is to uh, make this sound like this requires a lot of that I'm special. We're not, we're just sort of, you know, yes. it's, it's just, just so, learning to get over it. And, and yeah. therefore I hope all of your viewers can do that too. So. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for reinforcing that as well. All of us are ultimately work in progress. So, yeah. you know, right. that's what it comes down to. So where can, where would you like people to find you? If you want them to find you? No, uh, <laughs> no, fair enough. I don't get, like I admitted, I don't get a lot of the emails these days. So if you yeah. could write to me at Tanuj, that's my first name, T-A-N-U-J, at bitfulness.com, B-I-T-F-U-L-N-E-S-S.com. Uh, I will probably respond to you in a day or two. Um, and otherwise, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the book's out there if you want to get it. If not, and you just want to sort of chat with me anyway, you can find me there or on Twitter at Tanuj B, which, fair warning, I don't check as often, um, but I will find you at some point. And the book is on Amazon for the sale. The book is on yes. Amazon for sale, on, honestly, um, you know, or support your local bookstore, which is what I would prefer. Yeah, but, that's what I did. I bought it from one of these bookstores. Yeah, if you can. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, it's like I said, it's, the book itself is, you know, I'm not so concerned with you necessarily having read the book as much as, you know, it really should try and make a difference to your life, which is why I'm very happy to even like give away whatever we know on podcasts and, and it's not like, mm. it's not an elaborate pitch for the book. We really believe yeah, yeah, of people, course. Uh, people need uh, to start taking control. Um, uh, the book has a lot of theory and, and what actually happens in these systems, how the internet evolved to get to this point. Uh, a lot of that stuff, which I think you might, if, you, if you're interested in those subjects, you find interesting, then you might want to read the book. Otherwise, um, you know, there's a lot of excellent summaries. People have actually put out um, a bunch of blog posts on like, you know, how they're doing it, etc. In this, nice. which was uh, quite touching, honestly. And if you have still wow. you want to share, please do. Well, there's the impact your book has had. So again, thank you for putting it out in the world and sharing all these insights with us. A closing ritual from my end is define an epic being in your words. Uh, define an epic being in your words. I think. Um, I think the kind of person who closes the gap between uh, who they want to be, who they think they are and who they know they are, right? Wow, that's like, so unique. So if you, yeah, because I just, you know, somebody, in fact, I was having this party and this, um, this is a friend of mine, Meghna Reddy Reddy, right? Um, and I, it's her photos right here on my desk. Um, she's, uh, you know, she's about a decade, 12 years older than me. And I always tell people, Meghna is the wisest person I know. Right. And, and somebody, and, and somebody asked you, what do you want to, like, you know, I used to joke, I said, and when I grow up, I want to be Meghna. Right. And, and that's because I feel like what Meghna has done for her life through very deliberate design, through taking pains in life to have difficult conversations with people, decide who is, who is not, you know, people you stay in touch with in a circle or something. Like, Everything in our life is deliberate, 
right from mm-hmm. the people she spends time with to the problem she works on to what she's intentional doing. basically very, how very, she's designed her life yeah right and all of it with a dramatic self awareness about one's abilities and shortcomings and, and strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses and not like a delusional idea that okay you know i am some um, i i am the only unique gift of god and like you know only i can do this uh, none of that uh, hubris um so yeah so to me an epic being is somebody who essentially shortens all those gaps right like they are able to live the life they want and they are able to take the pain to live the life they want and they realize that the life they want is not designed around some epic idea of what you know yeah. it should be but more sort of based in who you actually are and that's the wrap thanks so much for tuning in if this conversation resonated help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on instagram at @epic.beings also to stay up to date with weekly episodes you may want to hit subscribe until next time stay epic